Oh, don't you get shy 
tonight. We give you praise and adoration tonight. We just want to be near you, Jesus. All right, everybody, how are you on this beautiful Monday morning, April 24th, year of our Lord, 2023. Yes, the uh, the video just said on its own that you must rumble this video. That was a beautiful, beautiful song called Gratitude featuring Alex Ago- uh, Agoyan. And, uh, you know, a lot of people um, sing that song at their worship, you know, for their worship group on church. And, um, you know, that's not their song. That's obviously a wake youth worship that's singing it. The fact of the matter is, folks, that song right there is beautiful. And if a church, if you belong to a church, let me, let me say it this way. If you belong to a church that does not have a good worship group or a worship group at all, and you're not singing and dancing and praising with, I mean, there, there's something special about the art form of music. Amen. It's a language that we all speak. You don't even have to speak the language of whatever uh, music that is being sung. Music is music, and it touches the soul of everybody on earth. And it's such a powerful tool for prayer that most people don't utilize. God wants you to be singing and dancing. Right? Remember Ecclesiastes? There's a time for dance. There's a time for song. There's a time for praise. There's a time for celebration. There's a time for dance and praise. And, and folks, God loves it. He absolutely loves it when we sing and dance songs of worship and praise to him. So we got to make sure that we belong to a church that does that. Uh, be around a group of people that do that. That's why I start out every day with beautiful, wonderful worship music. You need it. It touches your soul. Um, Katie says, Jeremy, our worship was so good yesterday. Just said that. Amazing. Eric, that's amazing. Uh, What happened to Eric? I don't know what it is, but it's great. So it's amazing. Uh, Music prepares the heart. Yes, it does. L. Jacob says, I love Christian music. Fire for my soul. You know the crazy thing about worship music, too, is that once you start listening to it, you could have listened to... um, you could have listened to music your entire life, and I'm a fan of all music. I really am. I've always loved music, been a musician, been an artist my whole life when it comes to that. But there's something about worship music that makes you want to just keep listening to it and slowly phase out all the secular music that you listen to. It's not, you know what it is? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll compare it to this. Before you're a Christian, you think that becoming a Christian means you have to live under a certain set of rules, which you do, but that are burdensome and that you have God breathing down your neck in order for you to make sure that you do them, almost like a, like a school teacher. And it's not like that at all. Once you become a Christian and, and you're on a journey with Jesus, the Ten Commandments, the rules that God set forth way back in the day, uh, you want to do, you want to, it's not burdensome, you actually want to achieve that. Well, the same thing with, with worship music. You're not trying to phase out the secular music because... God would like you to phase it out. You phase it out because you'd much rather listen to worship music. Jay Rock Rock says, "Uh, I used to be a metalhead. Now all I listen to is Christian music. There you go. There you go. The more you listen to it, the more you only want to listen to it because it does something different. It does something different to your soul than any other music. It's just, it really is great. Uh, If you missed the special 
uh, broadcast yesterday on LFA TV at 4 p.m., which we have every week. So there should be no excuse, right? Everybody should know 4 p.m. every week there's going to be a show, right? Had a lot of people go, oh, you know, I didn't know this was happening. Four o'clock every week, unless I say otherwise, there will be a movie or some kind of a, a documentary. Well, yesterday we started our, uh, basically our journey into the science of the Bible, because there's going to be more than one uh, week that we touch on this. And I got to tell you, if you did not watch it yesterday, it will blow your mind. I mean, there is science, the same science that the left tells you to trust in. If you use science, science that they believe in is God, right? You can take their science and you can prove the existence of God, but you cannot take their science and and uh, prove the existence of evolution and disprove the existence of God. It cannot happen. Hence, case for Christ, Lee Strobel. Nobody on this planet can prove the existence, uh, the the non-existence of God, but anybody on this planet can prove the existence of God by using not faith, but science. And we started our first installment of it yesterday. Truly, truly a powerful, powerful show that we had, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, if you can, please share this video. We are back streaming to our LFA TV app. So if you want to still watch us on the big TV under the Rumble uh, app on Roku and Fire Stick, you can do that. But our own app, LFA TV app, is now uh, should be working again. So just let you know that is still working as well. And yes, I definitely, it was a good show for kids. It was for an audience of children. And you can even take your children to the Creation Museum, to the Ark, and get a personalized version of what you saw yesterday by Mr. Ken Ham. So it was, a, it was very powerful. Uh, today I titled the show, To Suffer is to Gain. And the reason why I titled it that was because yeah, um, doing yard work this weekend, uh, all I did was listen to Deuteronomy. I, I went through the whole uh, book of Deuteronomy this weekend, and I got to tell you, I just wanted more and more and more. Now, I do audio more than I do reading. What I'll do is I'll do audio, and I'll have it, uh, audio point me back to reading. So if I want to go in there and actually get the full scope, you know, putting my hands on the weight of the word of the Bible, I'll do that. But me, for me, I... I understand things a lot easier if I'm listening to them than I do reading them. And I got to tell you, every single time you go through Genesis, uh, you know, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Psalm, anytime you go through those books, every single time you go through them, you're going to get something out of it that you did not get the, pro- the previous time that you read it. And I got to tell you, Deuteronomy really blew my mind this weekend. Really blew my mind this weekend because it... It got me to understand something that I have been getting asked by atheists and agnostics for a long time, and I've not been able to answer them other than to say, we're not supposed to understand everything. And that's not really a good argument to have when you're trying to have a debate with an atheist or an, or an agnostic. So what I'd like to do is we're going to get to our prayer, our morning prayer, and then we're going to get into talking about my experience going through Deuteronomy this weekend, and then we'll get to one-minute prayer for dads, okay? It's kind of how the show's going to go today. I'll ask you to please do me the favor, rumble this video, reach down, click that thumbs up right there, turn it green. Uh, you may have to refresh the video. Uh, I talked to Rumble this weekend, by the way. Everything should be fixed from last week. It was a terrible week last week, all due to attacks, nothing due to do with Rumble growing too quick or not being able to handle the traffic. It is all due to attacks. So let's pray for uh, Rumble. And let's also pray for um, uh, 
uh, for people to understand the word of God in the way the Holy Spirit describes it to you when you're in the word. Don't listen to anybody else but the Holy Spirit. Don't even listen to me. Let me direct you somewhere, but then listen to the Holy Spirit when it comes to the words of the Bible. Okay? All right. uh, Let's go to the word and prayer, the Lord and prayer right now. I love their app updated today. Perfect. All right, here we go. Father God in heaven, Lord, we ask that you protect our message, your message that we are trying to get to the world by protecting the platforms that allow us to spread this message without interference, to allow us to spread this message without censorship or oppression. We ask that you put an armor of God around places like Rumble and other places that want the people to get the truth out there, the truth that we know that we have not been living in for decades. Lord, we pray for... We pray for the people that might be listening and watching this show today that might be uh, starting out their journey with Jesus, that the words that come from my mouth, they understand fully and are not confused. Reading the Bible for a newcomer, they can get confused very easily. Lord, use me as a tool to get the message out there in a way that everybody can understand and feel in their souls. We pray for those going through heartache and pain and suffering. But Lord, we ask that those that, that are going through trials right now, that they don't look at it as a bad thing, that they look and they pray to you and to ask what you are trying to get them to learn during this time. Because we know to suffer is to gain. It's been that way since Adam and Eve first sinned. And it's always been that way with the chosen people, the Israelites. To suffer was truly to gain. Help us understand that message today. And Lord, be present with us as we spread the gospel, not gossip. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. To suffer is to gain. And we're going to talk about that today, talking about Deuteronomy. So let's get right into it. So I kind of want to go about this in a different way than people are used to. You're going to get atheists and agnostics that are always, always questioning. And that's a good thing. Because that means that they're seeking your answers. And if they're seeking your answers, then ultimately the Holy Spirit, even though they are a stubborn people, like God says the Israelites were, definitely through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Israelites were the most stubborn people ever. And these people that are asking you these questions with a smirk on their face, almost with a mocking personality, Uh, and mocking characteristics you see on their face, they're still asking questions. And they expect you to have an answer. So you better have one. So let's get to the the one argument that you're going to hear all the time. And these are from people who have read a couple passages and think they know what the Bible says, have read a few things on social media, and, oh, that's a good argument for an atheist. Like, well, if we're to believe the Bible, then that means that if my brother dies, I'm supposed to marry his wife. And if his wife marries anybody outside of that, then she's to go to hell. She's to be stoned. She's to be killed. What about the fact that it says if, you're, if somebody tries to get you away from God and try to get you to go and face and, 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 and preach to another God or, or praise another God, then that person is to be taken outside the city limits and killed and stoned. Is that what we're supposed to do? And what they don't understand it all goes back to this. Yes, that did happen. 
Yes, God did instruct those people to do that at that time. And the best way for me to describe to an atheist or an agnostic the things that happened in the Bible since the beginning of time until now and why we don't do the same things as we did then and why things are different now than they were then, there's a lot of explanations for that. But the easiest way to explain it to somebody who doesn't agree is to say this. If you have a four-year-old around an oven, you literally take all precautions as you can to warn that four-year-old or to prevent that four-year-old from touching the oven, touching the stove. Why? Because they will burn their hands. You baby-proof everything in your house so that your baby, your toddler, does not stick metal objects into outlets or you put the things on the doors so they can't walk outside the door. There's things that you do for a toddler that you don't do for a teenager. I'm not going to put plans in place. I'm not going to put... um, uh, s- procedures and security devices in place for my 15-year-old son or my 15-year-old daughter that I would for my toddlers. Why? Because they are at a different stage in their growth, in their individual personal development, in their own lives, in their own understanding to where I don't have to do that anymore. And it's the same thing when it comes to humanity. Back in the days of Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. You had no law of the land. There were no law, there were no moral laws. There were moral laws, don't get me wrong, but there was no law of the land like there is now. And God literally had to teach these people in a way that we don't need to be, we probably should be taught today because we're probably just as bad as then. But they needed to be taught that way. They needed to have the uh, consequences and the ramifications for their actions in that day because they were such a lost and stubborn and wicked people. And they did not know what we know today. And I would argue they probably in some cases knew more about the actual way of, of the world than we know today. But you understand what I'm getting to, right? And especially... And especially when it comes to the argument of, well, God says there you should not murder. You should not murder. Well, then why did God send all these people into these lands or you shall not kill? Why did God send all these people into these lands and kill all these people and wipe them out? Man, woman, and child. Well, there's a reason for that too. Number one, God never instructed the Israelites to take over a land and kill the wicked people there. By the way, they were very wicked people. He never instructed them to do anything that he did not bring upon them first. What do I mean by that? Why do you think the Israelites were traveling for 40 years? Why do you think that they could not take over a land or conquer a land or displace anybody in that land? Why do you think God did not allow them to? Why do you think that he made them wander through the uh, wilderness for 40 years? Because he needed to kill off generations. He needed to kill off the same type of people that thought the same way, that had the same idolatry in their heart and in their minds as the people that the Israelites would eventually take over and wipe out of the land. He did this. He did to the Israelites first what he commanded the Israelites to do to the people that were like the Israelites that he pured or that he purified and that he... Um, 
basically cleansed out of the Israelite people. He did the same thing to them first. He didn't say, oh, you're my chosen people. Go kill all these other people. And the other thing, the Bible does not say thou shalt not kill. The Bible says thou shalt not murder. There's a difference between killing and murdering. Why do you think in the days of Deuteronomy that if somebody accidentally killed their friend or their brother, or they did it in war, then they were not guilty of murder, meaning that they did not get put to death. Yes, if you went out with your friend and you, and you killed them accidentally by cutting down a tree and a tree fell on them and they died, you would be exiled, but you'd, you'd be exiled to a city that was built for people like you. You would not be killed until the day that you could come back. So there's a very difference between murder and killing. The Bible says thou shalt not murder. That means having murder in your heart, having hate in your heart, ladies and gentlemen. These people didn't, the Israelites did not murder the Canaanites. The Israelites did not murder the, any of the, of, of the tribes. They wiped them out of existence because they were an evil, wicked people. And they were praying to gods that were not God. And they needed to be wiped off the face of the earth. So God literally cleansed the Israelites. And the only ones that were left were people that loved God, God of the Bible, God of Abraham, which is the same God that the Jews uh, pray to and the same God that the Muslims pray to the God of Abraham, right? They just don't believe in Jesus and all that. Why do you think we all call each other brothers and sisters? We've been calling each other that since the day of Adam and Eve. What happened to the Canaanites? What happened to the Mennonites? What happened to all of the the Levites was punishment for their wicked ways. The same kind of punishment that the Israelites, God's chosen people, went through for 40 years. God was trying to literally wipe out evil and establish good. And he was trying to establish cities that were good. And he knew, he knew that if there was a man, woman, or child left of that evil uh, city or that evil tribe or that evil uh, uh, region, and he knew that if there was cities left and buildings left and, and statues to their gods left, that these the, the Israelites that were that remained after the purification of the Israelites would be tempted to go down the same path as the city that just got judged and punished for their crimes. They would go down the same path. So God had to have these strict laws in place so that there was no chance. So that there was no chance that anybody that was in the Israelites' uh, people would be tempted to pray to a false god or to engage into the wickedness uh, that the same um, that the people before them engaged in. So you really got to look at this as a whole. You got to understand what God did and why he did it. Now, you might not think that's okay. Well, that's still murder to me. He still killed innocent men, women, and children for the greater good of humanity. Yes, God did. And who are you to question whether God kills somebody or not? He gave every single living organism on this planet life. Not only... Does he give them life? He sustains them. He keeps them there, that order of design. So who are you to say that he doesn't have the right to do that? You agnostic, you atheist, you person that thinks that you are in charge of your own life. You are in charge of your own skills and accomplishments. You're not. Everything that you have is from God. So all of those old laws were needed for a people of that time. When Jesus came, he put a new law out there. 
Now we don't need to live under that old law. So what we've become now at the point of Jesus, 4,000 years after Adam and Eve, what we've become is a teenager. Now we are in teenage years. So we are under teenage rules. We are under teenage laws. We don't have to abide by those laws anymore. And when Jesus comes back, there will be a new outlook. There will be a new way to live. There will be a new set of rules. There will be a new set of laws. It is no different than you are a toddler, than when you are a child, an adolescent, and then an adult. It is the same exact thing. Now, people can't wrap their mind around that because they would say, well, if God is all-powerful, then why does he let bad things happen? If if he doesn't let bad things happen, then he's not an all-powerful God or he's not an all-loving God. They completely get it all wrong because they never have anybody to explain it to them like this. So you can explain it to them as civilized and uncivilized if that's the way that they need to have it explained to them. But we really, really need to, uh, to lay down the groundwork and the facts of why God did what he did. And then when it's all said and done, whether you agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. Your feelings do not matter when it comes to what God is doing. So that's why I say you can't beat God, so you might as well join him. We live in a world that is cursed because of sin. This is a fallen world. God does not allow bad things to happen. Bad things happen because of law. God has laws too, you guys. God has laws too. Why do you think Satan doesn't have free reign? Satan doesn't have free reign. Satan has to live within a law. Satan has to live within a law. Same way demons have to live inside of a law. There are God's laws that supersede man's laws that atheists and agnostics will never understand because they won't accept it. But what they must understand is that the demons of this world, the evil spirits of this world, the angels of this world, the humans, whether you're believers or unbelievers of this world, you must operate inside of God's laws. So you hear people say the laws of physics. No, those are God's laws. Those are the laws of God. And you have to obey them. They even have to obey them in the spiritual world. So you hear this statement that the blood of Jesus, your sins were paid for by the blood of Jesus. Jesus was bought and paid for. Or Jesus, I should say, bought and paid for. Well, from whom? From whom? If if Jesus bought and paid for, well then, who was given given the, the money? Who was given the currency? God. God made the earth, God made humans, God made everything in the earth, God made all the animals, God made humans, God made thought, God made blood. Blood is currency. Jesus' blood is currency. Well, who is that currency? who, Who demands that currency? God. God demands that currency. The de- you, didn't, you didn't use Jesus' blood and buy, buy it from the devil, buy it from the world. God demands that currency. 
So when you go through and you read Deuteronomy and you read Leviticus and you read Exodus and you read all of this stuff, you, you have to understand that those laws were put in place because those people needed that at that time. Same way a toddler needs rules that a 15-year-old does not need. It's pretty simple. It's not as hard as an atheist or an... Well, they said you should be able to beat your wife if she cheats on you, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, then yes. Now, no. It's not hard. It's pretty incredible when you really think about it. It is pretty incredible. The other thing that I read in Deuteronomy that you guys um, may not know or may not remember is in Deuteronomy, it tells us what we can and cannot eat. What animals we can and cannot eat. Remember, there was a time that we did not eat. There was no meat eaters. There was even the animals were not meat eaters. Animals can survive and eat on the same things that we eat. Fruits, vegetables, field of green, shout out. But then we became meat eaters and God permitted meat eating. But he, he permitted certain meat eating. And do you know what it said in there that I never, ever, ever, ever remember reading? But it's now put into perspective because of the world that we're, we're in. Check this out. You're not supposed to eat bugs. <laughs> You're not supposed to eat insects. Winged insects, bugs, crickets, all of that. You're not supposed to eat them. So now that the world is trying to get you away from hamburger, trying to get you away from, you know, eat meat, eating meat, period, they're trying to push the whole world to eat bugs. Of course they would be. Because it's one of the things that God says humans shall not eat. Nor pork. And I got to tell you, I have not stopped eating pork. So you wonder why, well, why, why can't we eat pork? Well, it has to do with the hoofs. So go back and read Deuteronomy. So when they try to make you eat bugs in America, which they're already trying to do, you can say, no, it's against my faith. Because it truly is. It truly is. You will be unclean to God if you eat bugs. So don't be out there eating bugs, folks. Okay? I tell you, Deuteronomy, the, setting up the laws. Now, then you're going to get the question of, well, how come you can't pick and choose which laws you abide by and which uh, uh, laws that you don't abide by? You can't pick and choose. You're right. You're right. And Jesus tells us exactly what old laws that we should abide by and what new laws we should abide by. Jesus basically confirms to us the new law. So if these people out there that want to argue the Bible but have never read the Bible, or maybe they have read it, but they would not allow themselves to understand it because they only read it with negative, they didn't read it with an open mind. Well, then they're never going to, you can have the, all the answers in the world and they're not going to come around. Doesn't mean that you should not be giving the answers that need to be given. So, yeah, do not eat bugs, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Do not allow them to make you eat bugs. It is definitely against God's word. Let the left eat all they want. They can eat the, all the bugs in the world they want. Not you, though. Not you. So, folks, here's why I say download, like I'll show you the Bible app that I have. It's a great Bible app. But, Jeremy, we are no longer under laws 
We are now under grace. Well, that's true. That's true. But we're still under the Ten Commandments, right? Those are still laws. So here's the app right here. Um, don't know if you can see this, uh, but it's, it looks like a Holy Bible book. It's right there. See that Holy Bible book app? This is a good one because it allows you to, to take each chapter in multiple different, I mean, each book in multiple different versions and press play and you can just listen to it. And it's a quick, it, it's a lot quicker of a way to get through the Bible and you can have your earbuds in, you can be doing work, you don't have to be sitting down reading and you can ingest the words of the Bible in a way that, that you may not have when you just read it. And I think you should do both, but um, I really urge you guys to really keep that in your, keep the word of the Bible in your, in your ear all of the time, all the time or in your eyes. I'm going to tell you this. I, yeah, that's the version Bible app. That's right. version. That's exactly right. So I'm sitting out there and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the yard and I'm doing yard work and I'm trying to focus on God. And all that's going through my mind is work, uh, monthly donors, sponsors, uh, schedules, uh, people that are, or, or we're inviting on for guests. And I can't stop thinking of work. And I'm like, I can't be thinking of work today. I got to have my mind focused on God. And I tried everything I could. I prayed, I tried to talk to God and I just kept all of the, the stress and, and the, and the, and the events of the week are popping up in my head. I couldn't get it out of my head. So I said, I got to do something. So I started listening to the, uh, the audio of the Bible and within minutes, my mind was only on what I was listening to. So when God says run to me during times of trial, run to me. Now I titled the show to suffer is to gain. Now, why did I do that? Well, because the Israelites for 40 years suffered. They suffered to get back into the grace of God. They suffered to the point in which God allowed them to take back their land. They suffered. They survived off almost nothing. They, they, you know, many of them died of thirst and hunger. They ate and drank the bare minimum while they were out there. They literally went from through, through countryside and countryside asking permission to travel through these cities that were so well off. Some of these cities were so bigger than they were, so much bigger, so many more people. They had food, they had everything, and God did not allow them to partake. He said, no, you will ask these people to go through land, and you will go through their land, and you will not buy, you will not take anything over, except for the ones that I permit you to. And as the Israelites were being more and more... uh, uh, purified and, and, and generations were dying, God allowed a little bit more and he allowed a little bit more and he allowed a little bit more. Do you don't think the, you don't think these Israelites were complaining? Of course they were. God wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. If it wasn't for Moses pleading with them time and time again, don't kill these people. God said, they're stubborn. These people are stubborn. They're never going to get it. They're never going to get it. And Moses is like, please, 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 please just allow me to continue to work with them. They are your chosen. Remember the promises that you made to Abraham. Remember the promises that you made to our ancestors. And if it wasn't for Moses pleading to God, God would wipe them off the face of the earth too. And they weren't even near as wicked as the people that God had them take out. So what did he do? He made them suffer. He made them suffer and they cried and whined and grumbled and complained just like we all would because we're spoiled. But what happened during that suffering? They were being humbled. Their hearts were being softened. They were learning to trust God just a little bit more. 
Just a little bit more. Hang on. I'm going to answer a phone call live because it's my barber and I need to make sure I get in for this. So give me one second, please. Hello? Hey, David, how you doing? That works perfect for me. All right. See you then, David. Bye-bye. All right. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Had to answer that. Been trying to get a haircut for days. Um... So yeah, he made them suffer and suffer and suffer, but guess what he gave them in the end? Not only did he make them better people, not only did he make them stronger and trust in God, not only did he make them uh, fully understand exactly why he did what he did, he then gave them the land of milk and honey. He then gave them the land of milk and honey. So you might think, man, we're suffering in America right now. We are suffering in America right now. We're suffering in uh, culturally. We're suffering socially. We're suffering, suffering spiritually. But I would say we're not. I would say we're exactly where God wants us in this country. We've not even begun to suffer yet. We are just, dis- we're just uncomfortable. Would anybody be able to say that? Now, I'm not saying in your personal life. Obviously, we're all dealing with our personal sufferings. I get that. But as a country, we're not suffering. Our poorest people are still obese, huge, and the government takes care of them so much to the point where they got refrigerators full of food. We are far from suffering. We are only uncomfortable. Suffering is still to come. And we should look forward to it. We should be praying now, God, please prepare us for the suffering that's about to come. Now, I'm not saying we're going to become a third world country or anything. I don't know. I don't know what God's going to administer on us for our punishment, but we deserve it. We deserve it. We've killed over 60 million babies. We lie, cheat, and steal constantly. We blaspheme all the time. We're spoiled, rotten brats. We want what we want when we want it, and we want it now. We're constantly bickering with each other. We're constantly calling each other names. I still do it every day. We're fighting with each other. We're not looking out for each other like we should as a country. We're not lifting down to help other people up. We're not becoming humbled as a whole. Some are suffering, but the country has not even begun to suffer yet. It will. It will. We need to pray for it now. We need to welcome it now. We need to ask God, what are you going to teach us, Lord, during this suffering? What are you trying to teach us right now? Now, again, I know individual people are suffering. I know that. I know there's people being murdered, raped. I know homeless vets are suffering. I know people with diseases that are suffering. I get that, but I'm talking about as a whole, this country isn't even close to suffering. This country isn't even close to where we were during the Great Depression. That's suffering. Suffering is what we need to do. We need to suffer. We need to sacrifice. This is why we uh, fast every week. This is why we do this show every week because we're showing God now, look, we're not afraid of what's coming, God. We know whatever you have coming is just. We know that any punishment, any suffering, any sacrifice that we need to make as a country, it is just and we are very, very thankful to be able to give you that, to be able to go through that suffering. We have to. It'll make us better. It'll make us a stronger country. We cannot make America great again unless we make America godly again. And we cannot make America godly again unless we do the same thing that the Israelites did. Get rid of the evil. We have got to purge this evil. We've got to. We cannot become what Donald Trump is saying that he wants us to become unless we do this. It has to be hand in hand. 
I don't fast, but I'm not healthy, says Larry. That's okay, buddy. You could sacrifice in other ways. If you can't fast in food, then fast from something else. Because that shows that we are trying. Us overturning Roe v. Wade at a federal level, that is when God went like this again. God was, here we were over here, and God was like this. When we overturned Roe v. Wade at a, at a federal level, God went like this again. He looked at us again. And then the Jesus revolution started happening again, this new Jesus revival. And guess what happened then? Not only did God go from not looking at us to looking at us again, which is why I was pushing the abortion issue so much, which is why I was getting so incredibly upset that people were saying, would you stop talking about abortion? And I was like, do you not get it? How do you not get the most simplest of simple? There's no way to achieve what you want to achieve socially and politically unless we address what we're doing spiritually and we're killing babies. How do you not get that? I never understood why people were so mad at me for pushing the abortion issue so much. And guess what next month is? Pro-life month. It's no longer pride month. It's pro-life month again. A year ago, well, in June, a year ago almost, we did this. So God went like this. He went like this. Then when the Jesus revolution started happening in places like colleges and stuff like that, at Asbury College, you know what happened? God started putting a grin on his, a smile on his face. He cricked up a little bit of a smile there. Not a full-blown smile, but a little bit of a smile. It all, you, you have to understand we're never going to make a MAGA unless we MAGA. You know what I'm saying? And once we make America godly again, then we can mega. Then we can make earth godly again. Now, I know that we have no chance of stopping the rapture. I know that we have no chance of people continuous to, continually to pile on that wide path while we very, very narrowly try to, uh, try to uh, navigate that, that, that narrow path uh, with Jesus. I get that. I know we're not going to stop what's coming. But I think we're far away from that. I don't think we're as close as some people think we are. I think that there's still people we're saving. I think that God still wants us to do this. I think that there's still um, God's peace to, that we can feel on this earth for many generations to come. That's what I personally feel. Others feel like we're going to see Jesus in our time. I hope we do. I hope we do. But we have to live every day like well, even the Bible says nobody knows except for the Father when that day is going to come. Jesus doesn't even know. The Father. Hey, son, time to go. Oh, all right. Let's go. Let's roll. Like that dream that guy I, I told you about, that guy had. So we need to welcome whatever it is that we're going to go through in the next few years. Not be f- afraid. Not be fatigued. So many people are like, I can't take anymore. I just got to go and you know, give up. We can't give up. Not for our country's sake, for God's sake. For the people that still have a chance to be saved, sake. You know what I mean? And we got to welcome whatever suffering that we're about ready to get ready to go through. We have to welcome that. We have to. I want to read, um, I want to read from the verse of the day before we get into the one-minute prayer for dads. Because the verse of the day today is coming from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 6 through 11. And it says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. Now, I want to touch on that for a minute. God doesn't tell you that you should not drink alcohol. He does not tell you you should not do that. He tells you not to be a drunkard. He tells you to be sober-minded. Why? Not because of your bodies, even though your body is a temple. He tells you that so that you don't mess up and be caught up into the devil's snares. Because once you're, at, once you're inebriated and you're drunk, it is so easy to fall into that devil lie, that mouth of the, de- of the lion waiting to devour you. It is so simple. Somebody said, how's Dave Bray? Dave Bray is doing great. Dave Bray is doing great. Let's get back to this. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Now, folks, that's in the New Testament. That is the New Testament validating what the Old Testament told you in Deuteronomy. That's what I love about the Old and New Testament. They are a married couple. You cannot have one without the other. Even though there was old law then and and, and grace now and a whole new way of living, the Old Testament is still relevant today as it was then. The Old Testament tells of God's promise to destroy death. The New Testament tells us how he did it and everything comes full circle. They are a married couple. And it even says, and after you have suffered a while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Said the same thing in Deuteronomy. I love it. Just like in in, in Psalm. It talked about the Savior having his hands and feet pierced. Who had their hands and feet feet pierced? In the New Testament, Jesus. In the Old Testament, in Psalm, it said, forgive them, they know not what they do. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is a married couple. You cannot have one without the other. People say, oh, the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. What do you mean? That'd be like saying your childhood doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't matter what you did when you were a child. Well, what do you think that, what do you, who do you, why do you think you are the way you are? Your experiences in life. Of course you have to keep the Old Testament. Of course you do. You know, speaking of married couple, I was talking to my wife the other day. My wife and I, before we, um, Before we made the decision to put each other first over our children, and we were still putting our children first, I was trying to have a conversation with my wife about the hierarchy of God, man, woman, child, animal. And I was telling her that in the end, the man, the head of household, is the one that makes the decisions, period. You can can have all the conversations that you want with your wife. You can respect your wife. And, and her word all you want. But in the end, it's the man's decision. Again, completely wrong. I was so wrong. 
And this was just a few months ago. I was making it, I was understanding it in a way that was wrong. Meaning this. The way I was understanding it was, the husband is the head, the wife is the neck. Husband is the head, wife is the neck. Children are body, animals are feet. If you're going to look at it from an ana- you know, a biological, anatomical um, you know, way to describe it. But that's not true. That's not true. If man is the head, woman is the crown. Now you guys say, well, Jesus is the crown. No, they're above even that. Man is the head, woman is the crown. You're a married couple, meaning you should want to always please her. She should want to always please you. And together, you should, if you have a good marriage in the grace of God, in the sight of God, together, you make the decision what is best. You are one. Just like the church and Jesus are one. There is no, I said to do it, so do it. It's not the way it is. It's not the way it is. That might be the way it seems. That might be the way it feels when, you're, when, it's, when you read it, but it's not the way it is. And my wife was trying to tell me that, and I didn't get it. And then I was praying, and I was reading, and I was praying, and I was reading. And when I, read, when I finally figured it out, I was like, my eight-year-old younger wife was smarter than me and knew more than I did about the very same topic that I was trying to argue with her about. You are in it together. The head of household does not mean the man is in charge and his way is or no way. It's not what that means. It's a completely different definition than you think it is. And again, we are taught things from society that are 180 degrees from what they're supposed to be. And only through reading and immersing yourself into the word of God Are you going to understand this stuff? Don't take it from me. Don't take it from your wife or your pastor or whatever. My husband says he's the head and I am the neck. I turn his head. I turn his head to where it needs to go. Well, if that was the case, then he would be. He would be in charge of you, right? Are you in charge of him? I guess if you look at it that way, uh, Divorce is 50-50. Marriage is 100-100. Wow. like that. That's a good way of looking at it. I've come to the understanding that man and wife are both leaders within the home, but over different spheres of influence. Boom. You nailed it. You nailed it. When you are married, you give 100% to your spouse and they give 100% to you. And when somebody falls, you pick up the slack. He may have... To get 100, 150, or 200, that is love, and that's what Jesus calls us. Amazing. Amazing. That is true. We need to, folks, if we don't understand the words that are in the Bible, then how can we understand how to live our lives? We can't. We can't just take society's uh, truth as truth. Without the head, the body is dead. Husband and wife 
together to become one flesh. So their decisions are to be made together. You got it, Heather. You got it. You got it. Now, you're still, a man is still the head of household. But what you think his duties and responsibilities are as head of household are not what we are taught in society. They're just not. God made man not to walk ahead of woman, but beside her because God took the rib from his side to make her. I like that. Now let's get into this one, since we didn't even get into the books, we just had discussion today. Let me read from 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Owning my weakness, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, suffering, trials, tribulations, weakness, suffering. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may be rest upon me. A wise dad not only knows his strengths, he also knows his weaknesses. Page 59. Thank God for those weaknesses because they force you to depend more on the Lord for your strength. Name two or three of your weaknesses. Admit them to God and ask him to be your strength in those areas. Can you guys admit two or three weaknesses to God today? Can you do that today? Now, we didn't break a thousand people, which is very odd for Rise Up. So we're going to be, the, 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 the 950 people are here today. Can you name two or three weaknesses that you can give to God today? Teach your children about the power of Christ, resting on those who are aware of their weaknesses. Thank you. Lord, for my strengths, but thank you also for my weaknesses. Thank you for the good times. Thank you for the bad, right? Because there's good in everything. Just our perception of it is different. Thank you also for my weaknesses as a man and as a dad. I know it's through my weaknesses that you can really work as the power of Christ rests on me. Use my weaknesses to show forth your strength. Be strong in me today. Help me explain the value of admitting my weaknesses to my kids. May they freely admit their weaknesses and also freely thank you for their strength. Uh, Friday, my oldest stepson, Tristan, I was more hard on him than I was any of my other kids. I was mean to him in ways and only because I thought he needed it. But this week, I, last week, I actually admitted to him how wrong I was in that. And you could see the respect he had for me when I was saying it. It was almost like, no, it's okay, man. It's okay. You don't have to be sorry. But I did have to be sorry. I was hard on my son in ways I did not have to be, on my stepson, in ways I did not have to be hard on him. And I admit those weaknesses to him. And it's important to do that. It's important to do that. All right, folks, I'm going to bring you out the same way I brought you in with a little bit of worship music. Remember, Sean Farish and Ungoverned is coming up next. Please stay tuned for that. Please go back and rumble uh, yesterday's show and check it out if you haven't seen it yet. And I will see you guys at 11 for Live from America, folks. God bless each and every one of you. Enjoy that Rise Up Coffee. Remember, Sean Farris coming up next. We'll see you guys at 11. Thank you for being here this morning. And remember, to suffer is to gain. God bless you guys, and we'll see you in just a little bit. Enjoy the music on your way out. Oh, my words fall short. I'm
Just one. 